Thank you for joining me, Jana. Yeah, thanks for having me. So to start, can you walk us through current law when it comes to installing solar panels on multifamily dwellings? There isn't a lot of it in Wisconsin. How rooftop solar arrays generally work is a single-family home will invest in the solar panels, install them, and then connect to the grid through their utility. There's a system called net metering, and and this is one of the many policy specifics that I might be getting into, but your solar panels produce probably the most during midday on a sunny day, and at that time, you're producing more than you need. So you sell the excess back to your utility. You sell it back to the grid for other use. But then, say on a cloudy day, you're not producing your energy needs, so you need to buy a little bit. This system of this two-way energy flow is called net metering. Because we all have electric meters on our homes, if you own your home, and that meter is keeping track of all of that. Why we don't really see rooftop solar arrays on multifamily dwellings is because policy in Wisconsin requires a meter for each unit. And on a single family home, that's going to be one meter. Compare that to an apartment building. Apartments that I profiled have 50 units in it. That would be 50 meters, which is cost prohibitive for developers. So the original policy, and I found this justification in Public Service Commission documents of why there needs to be a single meter to each and every unit is to promote energy conservation, ensure that each customer is billed for their own energy use only, and ensure that the utility is able to disconnect the electric service to an individual unit without affecting the service of the other units at the property. So that's directly from the Public Service Commission's documents. There has been an increase in waivers to this rule, and so the Public Service Commission has started a process where they are reconsidering this rule to see if there's a better way to apply it. So they're in that process now. It is expected to take a few months where a public comment period would happen. People can weigh in and then commissioners could make changes to the policy, but those would then have to be approved by the state legislature and the governor. What are the consequences of the current limitations? Well, according to the developers that I profiled, it's harder for them to develop energy-efficient, affordable housing. They have developed a few projects in northwestern Wisconsin that are brand new, affordable housing, income-qualified projects, and they're entirely energy-efficient. They're weatherized, they use electric heat pumps, and then they also have solar arrays that provides the electricity for the units on their buildings. They want to make more of these, but current policy is sort of holding them back. All over Wisconsin and and pretty much nationwide, there's a dearth of affordable housing. People need it. And similarly, the one-two punch on that is low and moderate income folks have a higher energy burden in Wisconsin, which an energy burden is the proportion of your income spent on your energy costs. So if you have a lower income, your electric bill is going to eat up more of your income than if you have a higher income. Similarly, low and moderate income people have least access to the tools that lower your energy bill. They probably don't have the spare cash to invest in weatherization technologies, windows, heat pumps, and certainly not solar panels. You usually need to own your home for that. The same people that are facing higher energy burden in Wisconsin, low and moderate income people, generally have least access to the tools that could lower that energy burden. So these projects that are being developed, a few of them in in River Falls and one in New Richmond, They really sort of offer a potential solution to some of that. These developers want to create energy efficient, brand new affordable housing, which saves them a lot of money when they're they're generating their own electricity. 
the developer I spoke to, Paul Gerard, said just in the last two winters that this River Falls project has been up, which were harsh winters. He estimates that they saved 30 to 40 percent of their utility costs. Residents in River Falls do not see an electricity bill. And depending on the size of their unit, that could save them 90 to 140 dollars a month. You mentioned the projects in River Falls, and you described it in the article as sort of a silver bullet. How exactly did they implement solar energy there? Yeah, the way they got around this single meter rule is because it's a municipal utility. So River Falls has their own municipal utility that serves residents within the city. They operate slightly differently than the large investor-owned utilities that we're maybe more familiar with in that they can be a little bit more flexible. And so I spoke to someone from the city there, Mike Noreen, and he said, you know, the project was proposed. We looked at the rule as it was designed, and we just sort of made a cost-benefit analysis, and the city needs needs affordable housing. It's, you know, maybe about 30 minutes away from the Twin Cities. So the population is growing and like a lot of places, they don't have enough housing. And so they sort of decided that they trusted these developers. The developers had a great reputation. They needed more affordable housing for low and moderate residents. And this project was worth it to them to waive the single meter rule. So they did. So the idea is that more than anything, this is saving the developer money because they would never be charging the residents for electricity anyway. For sure. Um, Paul Gerard is the developer, and he said to me, you know, it's Mother Nature's free, unmetered sunshine that is allowing us to keep the rent low. So it saves the developer and owner of the building money. They're passing those savings on to residents is the simplest way to explain it. So you mentioned this is something that the Public Service Commission will be assessing in the coming months. Do you have a more specific timeline on that? Do you know when they'll be considering it and what the next steps are? I will say I didn't get a more specific timeline than that, but there has been an increase in waiver requests. More developers are wanting to use these type of energy efficient technologies like heat pumps and solar panels on multifamily homes. Since 2017, there have been 11 waiver requests, and I believe there are four currently pending. Uh, Those are the numbers I got from the Public Service Commission. So it was just a few months ago that the regulators started this process of a staff analysis. It should take a couple of months where a public comment period would follow and then regulators would vote on it. Westcap and Gerard Corporations, the developers I profile in the story, they wanted to make an energy-efficient affordable housing complex in Eau Claire, designed the same way as the River Falls one did with heat pumps and solar panels. They applied for a waiver for the single meter rule from the Public Service Commission, and it was denied. However, when commissioners were voting on this, they really expressed that they wished to approve it. Chairman Bach said, I would love to waive my magic wand and grant the permanent waiver, but I can't do that based on the way the code is written as I sit here today. And she said it was frustrating, but it underscored the need for legislative change. So commissioners, when taking up that case, really lauded the project's energy efficiency measures and and said they'd hope to see more developments like that in Wisconsin. We can't say what the changes will be, but certainly these types of projects are being considered, uh, I'm sure, in the staff analysis about what potential changes could be coming for this rule. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Developers have told me that while this is a really important and potential to increase energy efficient buildings in Wisconsin, as well as renewable energy, it's also potentially a way to spur more development of affordable housing, which people need across the state. You know, 
Affordable housing in the past has not always had a great reputation, as one of my sources pointed out to me, and has sort of been seen as a blight in things that people don't want in their communities. And this is a way to make new, energy-efficient, affordable housing available to more people, potentially, because the way these developers are doing it, they're relying on these energy-efficient and renewable energy technologies to lower their costs, and then they're passing those costs on to residents. So it's a way to increase renewable energy during a climate crisis, but it's also potentially a way to increase affordable housing options in Wisconsin. Thank you again for agreeing to speak with me, Jana. Thank you so much, Faye. That was Jana Rose Schleiss, an enterprise and investigative reporter with the Capital Times. She recently published a report on the state of solar energy in Wisconsin. In particular, current state law makes it difficult for multifamily homes to implement renewable energy technology. She says the state's Public Service Commission may consider a policy change, as energy utility companies have seen an uptick in waiver requests from multifamily developers.